Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Luke 17, verse 11, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, very familiar language for the text to utilize certain, a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. You have to read it very clearly. There met him ten men that were lepers, but they met him with their voice. Need to know that because they stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet. He closed the distance. Sometimes we spend too much time waiting on God to close the distance. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Watch this after the colon. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. They're headed to the priest, you go your way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. I want to preach for just a little bit from the final portion of verse 17. Where are The nine. Where are the nine? I want you to lift your voices and thunder with me in prayer. Will you do that? Come on, would you pray that the Holy Ghost would help us in a mighty way here tonight? God, help me to preach with wisdom, with clarity, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Help us to not only hear your word, but be responsive to it.
obedient to the word of God. That it might affect more than our ears, but let it affect our minds and our hearts. Let it cause action and reaction. We pray it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let everybody say amen. God bless you and you may be seated tonight. There are some people that it is tough to hang around. There are some people that it is a challenge to associate with. And while I understand it is our Christian duty and responsibility to love our enemies, there are some people that are a challenge to spend time with. But there are certain times where what has come against you will bind you with people that you may not even know. For instance, my wife is one of those people who loves getting called to jury duty. She loves it. For most of us here, that is a call, a letter, something we avoid. If she gets it, she is like a kid at Christmas. The chance to go and to work with strangers for a common cause. Now, she does not enjoy, I'll speak on her behalf, she does not enjoy the thought that someone might be prosecuted or that someone has been hurt or that a crime has been done. But she loves, by her personality, the opportunity to be involved with a group of strangers solving a problem. For some of us in the room, that sounds like torture. For some of you in this room tonight, one of your favorite pastimes is to get with a group of friends and go to something that is called an escape room. Some people have no idea what I'm talking about. How many have ever been to an escape room with a group of friends? Oh yeah, look. How many have no idea what I'm talking about? Let me educate you. <laughs> escape room is a place where you go with a group of friends and you have to decipher codes. It will help you to get the next set of keys to another series of locks. And you have to do this about 10 times trying to escape the room. It's not a frightening thing. It's a work of the mind. No offense, but I know better ways to use money. <laughs> but working together for a common goal. When it comes to tragedy, it was a few years ago that we were driving down the road. And driving down the road, I noticed a car that was pulled off. And there on the side of the road, there was a man that they had laying on the concrete. There was only a couple of people there. And so without thought or hesitation, I just pulled over onto the side of the road and got out of the vehicle and walked up to the side and there was a woman and her child. 
And there was who I found out to be a stranger who had parked in front of the vehicle, another individual. And there I was and my family. And we stood there. This man had seemingly had a heart attack in the car. He was laying there on the road in cardiac arrest. And the gentleman who did not know him and was not connected to the family and not related to them in any way, in fact, had never met them until that moment, was adamantly performing CPR, working on the chest and then breathing the rescue breaths into his breath, uh, into his mouth. And I, having been trained in CPR myself, stood there watching and ready to assist and waiting. They had called the ambulance as the ambulance pulled up. I, I did not need to know him, nor did this other man, because in this moment, it was not about familiarity. It was not about whether or not we were connected by something good. In this moment, we were connected by something very negative. And it is the story of Luke 17 where a group of men are connected by the most negative thing that we ever get to read about their life. We get a handful of verses to see the most negative season and the most positive season of a group of men. I would turn your attention right now to the Old Testament, if you will allow me, to Leviticus chapter 13. And we're going to read verses 45 and 46 a little moment here about what it meant to have leprosy. Verse 45 says, In the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, his head bare. He shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry, Unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He, watch this, shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. Everyone say alone. He shall dwell alone. Which to be translated is he cannot stay in his home. He cannot stay within the city. But he must be shunned beyond the walls of this region. He must be pushed to the outskirts, if you will. He must be alone. Until we read in Luke 17 that alone is not always alone. I will tell you that most likely there are bars all over this city where people sit alone, but not alone. There are houses within a mile of this building where people are getting high alone, but not alone. There are men and women even in this building under the sound of my voice that while you are with a group of people, you are holding something inside of you that makes you feel so alone and even you are not alone. 
for you're not the only one bearing what you bear. It may be a college student under the sound of my voice that while you gather in the crowd, you are homesick in a deep way that no one else knows about and embarrassed to share that truth because surely no one else feels like you. And yet sitting around you while you are all alone may be multitudes of those that are alone. Gathered in this main sanctuary tonight are men and women who are plagued with the truth that because they have passed, you have never felt like yourself ever since. You, you have battled the loneliness ever since they were taken. And, and while you're in the body, you don't always feel like a part of the body. Can anybody bear witness that you can be alone in a crowd? I would even speak to you and tell you, I believe that if we're not careful, we can, we can allow people to feel alone in our midst, just glad they came. One of my fears as a pastor is that we'll be excited that you're here, even if you're not here. May I flesh that out? Excited that you are in the building, but you're not really in his presence. Yeah, you helped us make the, the numbers and you helped us so that when we did the tally, you were counted in the, in the quotation. But the truth is, you felt like you were all by yourself. That is not the will of God. I would tell you, I would speak emphatically and I would preach to any spirit that would lie to you and make you think it's okay. It is not the will of God. It's not the will of God that we would ever come to this house and feel as though we are still alone when we are in a crowd. Maybe I'm the only one that feels this way. I guess I'm the only one that can't get it together. No, we've all got struggles, but at some point, listen, at some point, you gotta lift your voice and say, Jesus, Master! Alone, outside of the camp, until you find that outside of the camp, there are more people like you. I'm going to tell you, I'll show you, I'll give you a really good example. You let, you let a person backslide, become a prodigal, walk away from God, or just have a bad week and post something on Facebook, post something on Instagram, that they're upset about something. Other people outside of the camp that are still upset, that are still disgruntled, will, will treat that post like honey. But I'm here to tell you that the problem that everybody in this room at one time, even if it's not anymore, at one time we all dealt with a problem that we didn't ask for. There's not one of these 10 guys that ever asked for leprosy. Brother Tim Sword, not one of these men ever decided, man, I hope I can get it. I don't care how mad they were at their spouse. 
Nobody wanted shunned outside the village. And we never think of the backstory of association. But you wonder how did they get leprosy in the first place? How did this occur in their body? Was it transferred? Was it a birth defect? Was it something they touched that they did not know? What what was it? How? How did it happen? Because I think if they could, if they could figure out how it happened, they would go back to the moment. But leprosy is tied throughout scripture as a type and a shadow of sin and the plague of sin. And I have lost track of how many people who said, if I would have known what it would have cost me, if I would have thought about what it feels like to live outside of the camp, what it feels like. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to speak this from the very beginning of this message and tell you, once you have been healed by God, you have to stop living like a leper. Once God has touched you from sin, you've got to stop living like a sinner because one of the earmarks of a sinner, one of the earmarks in the likening here of a leper and a sinner is that I don't belong in that group. I don't belong in that body. I'm telling you that is a lie from hell. You do belong in the body. Elbow your neighbor and tell him you do belong here. You do belong here. But I can see all 10 of them gathered together. The amazing thing to me about this is these are not all Jews and not all Samaritans. These are Jews and Samaritan combined. Because what brought them together was bigger than what kept them apart. <laughs> what brought them together was bigger than what had the ability to divide them. Listen to me, their problem was bigger than their ethnicity. Their problem was bigger than their social status or their identity. It was bigger than their language. It was bigger than their, than their belief system. It was bigger than how they had been raised. It was bigger than which side of the tracks they lived on. Their problem, their problem brought them together. And while they're together, alone, somehow they hear about Jesus. Here's my question. How do the lepers know about Jesus? Nobody's talking to them. There were no leper conventions. If you'd get your 10 closest leper friends, wasn't happening. People that were connected to a leper didn't talk about it. Just like you got people in your family you don't talk about. Well, you talk about them, you just don't talk about them. <laughs> How did they know? I tell you how they knew, because Jesus was connected to the edge. He was not just connected to the religious. 
Some commentators believe that between Luke 17.10 and Luke 17.11 and this journey of Christ is where the raising of Lazarus took place. That he had stepped to the edge of a tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth with grave clothes and called them off and pulled them off of him. They, they removed the napkin from his face and Lazarus gets a resurrection from the dead. And some commentators believe, they believe that it was right there between that moment and when Jesus begins to walk where it says that he would go through the edge of Samaria. And I, I'm gonna tell you, not just into Galilee and not just into Samaria, but he went through the edge of it. I'm after fringe people. <laughs> I'm after fringe people. He walked through the, he walked through, not through Samaria like John 4 says. John 4 said he must needs go through Samaria. And we get one of the greatest revelatory conversions of the entire New Testament where he sits down on a well in the noonday sun and he has a conversation with a woman nobody else wanted to talk to. And before long, she's running into the city and rescuing the whole city and bringing them to Jesus. Come and meet a man who told me it. Remember it? Remember that? Remember that? That was a Samaritan, and we've had a lot of fun with that text. But Luke 17 is not talking about going into Samaria, and it's not talking about going into Galilee. It's talking about going to the people that feel like they don't fit anywhere. They don't fit in Samaria, and they don't fit in Galilee. And I'm not talking about church or unchurched, and maybe we'll get there a little bit tonight. But lest you think I'm just talking about the people that are not in the building, I'm talking about the people that are in the building that still feel like they don't fit anywhere. You live on the edge. You live between Samaria and Galilee. You live somewhere on the outside between the two, and you don't feel like you fit, and you don't feel like you belong, and, and you've got leprosy, and you're not walking around crying unclean, but the devil would like you to. You've been in church for 20 years, but you can't quite kick the pornography. I'm going to preach it like I feel it. You've been in church for a decade, but you still haven't been able to get rid of cigarettes or alcohol. And so you live your life on the edge of society in the church room. You live your... I'm talking to the people who have been living for God for decade after decade after decade. And you know what's right, but you don't even feel God. And you live on the edge between Samaria and Galilee and what has labeled your life has become a greater identity than the fact that you know Jesus is real. Can I tell you this? The fact that they were able to identify as a leper did not denounce the truth that they knew Jesus was real. And just because you've been forced to live on the edge of something does not mean you have to stay silent and have to treat it as though Jesus is not real. I'm going to preach on it right now. People that clap because they know that's when they're supposed to clap. People that lift their hands because they know that's when they're supposed to lift their hands. And if you're not careful, you are nothing but a leper going through the motions. And the plague is isolation. The plague is isolation. It is a symptom of the greater factor at play. And that factor is sin. It is sin that grips the heart and sin that grips the mind. It is addiction that will not let go. Some of you, you think, well, I'm not addicted to, to, to pornography or alcoholism. I don't deal with that. No, for some of it, it's not that. For some of it, it is that we are, we are absolutely addicted to hurt. We don't know how to process without being offended. 
We don't know how to live without being hurt. But I'm telling you, Jesus. Jesus is... As much as he needed to walk through Samaria in John 4, he needed to walk by the edge this day. Knowing, and if it's true that Lazarus had just come back from the tomb, doesn't he know, not only can I call people back from the physical dead, from the real dead, from the grave stinking dead, from the four-day dead, I want to call back people that are living like they are when they're not. I want to call back to life people who feel like they're never going to get through this and they're never going to get up. Man, I'm preaching to somebody right now who you are showing up, but you are not able to show out. You are here, but you're on the edge of it all. You're... Whoa! You're on the edge of worship. You're here in worship, but you're on the edge of worship service. You clap along every now with the preaching, but you're on the edge of the preaching. You're, you're on the member role. You're on the list. You may even be a voting member, but you're on the edge. And I've come to preach against that lie from hell, telling you you don't ever get to move in from the edge. I'm here to tell you that's a lie. That's a lie. Oh, you got it, man. I'm, I'm challenging somebody. Throw your hands up and say, Jesus, Master, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Not just on me, on us, on us. Because Brother Romine, there's a bunch of us that are a part of the us in this room right now. You're a part of the us and you think they're a part of the them and we're a part of the us. If I've ever been in it, I'm in it right now. They're a part of the them. We're a part of the us. I don't know what it is. I don't know what separates us, but I, I don't quite fit in. I don't quite belong. Who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you that because of your last name? that you can't be involved here? Who told you because of your past sin that you can't be involved here? Who told you that because of what you once did? You can't do anything about that. You can't do anything about the point of contact, but you can do something about right here and right now in this moment. Well, I'm not, I refuse to be that emotional. False. False. Emotion does not have to be demonstrative. It can also be exhaustive. For some of us, our emotion, Brother Mack, it'll make us run and shout and dance. For others, our emotion is a wet blanket. You got the Eeyore, Eeyore syndrome. Wasn't that his name? Little donkey? Good God. Woe is me. And I'm not making fun. If you really feel down, then we want to help you. We want to be there. But if the enemy has convinced you you don't belong and you never make a point to... Still never made an appointment. Still never talked to anybody. I'm going to tell you what we heard preached last week about confusing the enemy. For those of you who feel like you live on the edge, you want to freak the enemy out, don't wait on anybody else to lead in worship. You don't need anybody else. 
Do you know that we don't even need the praise team to, pra to praise God? We don't even need the worship team to worship God? Do you know that? We are not contingent. The lepers did not have a praise man. They had a problem. They had a problem and said, my problem is too big to let you walk by. I know you can't come close, but master, master. They met him with their voice when they could not meet him with their feet. I can't get to him. Yes, you can. He's as close as the mention of his name. Let's do a test. Throw your hands towards heaven and just say Jesus. Jesus. Throw your hands towards heaven. Say it again. Just, just real loud. Jesus. Somebody say Jesus, master. Jesus, master. I'm telling you, there's enough power in that right there that you will turn. I promise you, it infuriates hell. It infuriates hell when people that are living on the edge say, wait a minute. Isn't that the one that heals blinded eyes? Isn't that the one that, 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 that takes care of deaf ears? That's, remember that story we heard about Naaman? That was Elisha. Yep, I think he's badder than Elisha. What do you think? Here's what I want to know. How were people that were already missing ears able to hear the testimony? <laughs> people had appendages missing. Bodies eaten up, and they were at all different levels of severity. That's the thing about leprosy. Some of them just had one little spot. One little spot. And Brother Brown, when they saw that one little spot, they kicked them to the outskirts. Walked up next to people that they didn't feel like they fit in with them at all. Man, you got an ear missing. You got a finger gone. You got white all the way up and down. You don't have the whole Moses thing where you can... One little spot, I don't belong here. Or you can recognize this one little spot, but it puts me as bad as the rest of these guys. And so I can act like my promise isn't big enough to yell out. I can act like my promise. You know, there are some people that even though they're living on the edge, still will not, pride will not allow them to cry out. Cry. We should say something. How did it start, Brother B? That's what I want to know. They're all just there. How did it, who, who said, we should probably say something. We should. This is bigger than some famous, famous athlete walking by with all the kids in the grandstand trying to get, please, please, please. Some of you know I like golf. I was watching a little clip the other day. Phil Mickelson, they call him Lefty. He's a great golfer. He was walking by, and all these little kids are standing behind a rope, brother ropes, and they're right behind the rope going, please, Phil, please, please, Phil. Without missing a beat, he said, I can't sign that kind. Like his sponsorship would not allow him to sign that type of ball. Phil, you better keep walking. Aren't you glad? That when Jesus heard them, he didn't think, I don't really heal lepers. I, stay your distance now. 
Stay your distance. Because you do recognize that anything leprosy got close to it made unholy. You can't make him unholy. You, <laughs> you can't get too close to where it will negatively affect him. It will always have a positive effect. So they just cried out. Brother Friendly, what do you think? You'd have been the guy. I know you. You'd have been the guy. You'd have been the guy like, we should say something. You should say something. Somebody been like, shut up. Don't say nothing. Leave that man alone. You'd been like, no, I, I heard. I heard that. I heard a dead guy. I heard a dead guy just came back to life. And you're like, who's talking to you? How do you know? Where did you hear? But I'm going to tell you, you can pick up all kinds of things on the fringe. The dangerous thing about the fringe is you got to learn how to decipher the difference between what's true and what's a lie. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, most things about God are going to sound like a lie until you exercise faith to believe. I heard, I heard he can heal. And, I, and somebody's just looking at you saying, just... You, you need to just calm down. You ever had anybody tell you calm down? Don't lie. You ever had anybody? A few people. But if they would have known. If they would have known what was coming. And I don't know who it was among them. But somehow. The Aaron in the group just rub off on everybody else. And say you better say something. You will say something. Or I'm going to beat you with the hand I still got. You better say something. And all of a sudden. Jesus, Master, got little white flesh and flakes and fallen and, and got appendages missing and they didn't have much to give, but what they had, Amen. what they had, they got out there. Yeah. Jesus, yeah. Master, Master there is interpreted chief commander. <laughs> Guy who can speak to anything. People who themselves had become alienated for their ability to serve with anybody said, nobody will let us serve, but hey, master. And Jesus did what? He heard them when they said, have mercy on us. Amen. Amen. Us, not I, not just me. We do too many me praying and not enough we praying. Amen. Yes, sir. Have mercy on us. You better cry out. You better yell. And what did Jesus do? Oh, this is about to be awesome. Joe, it's going to be powerful. It's going to be amazing. Watch this. Maybe he's going to spit in the mud and make some stuff. You know, he does that. Wipes it in people's faces. Bad to the bone. I don't care who you are. You're cool if you can spit in somebody's eyes. And the truth is something, yeah. maybe, 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 maybe he's going to come over and give us a little hocus pocus. All he says is, go show yourself to the priest. He did not heal them. Please note that. We think he healed them and told them go. He didn't heal them. He told them go. Their healing would be dependent upon their faith to go. 
They would not be healed until they turned to go. And most of the time, you will not find your answer until you got enough faith to move. I'll praise him when I get the answer. No, if you can't praise him when all he does is says go. But as they turned to go to the priest, all of a sudden it was a supernatural. It was a supernatural, instantaneous. The leprosy began to dry up and their arms began to stop. Wait, 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 what's going on? When they chose to go, have mercy on us. You know what what he answered? He said, okay, leave the fringe. (laughs) Leave the fringe. Don't tell me you want to be healed if you ain't willing to live the fringe. If you've got so comfortable in the fringe that you like living the fringe life, don't tell me you want to be healed if what you really want to do is feel better, but stay there. I made some pretty good friends on the fringe. I made some pretty good relationships. How good could it be if the only thing that bound you together was that you had leprosy? Nobody wanted to stay there. Nobody wanted to live there. I am yet to meet an individual plagued with addiction of any kind that enjoys living there. Whether they, are, whether they are addicted to hurt, whether they are addicted to alcohol, whether they are addicted to music that is unhealthy or unholy, or whether they are simply addicted to self-harm or something that is completely contrary and out there. It doesn't matter how weird or how wild or how simple or how... I've never met one person that wanted to stay there. But I have found that a lot of people find that the hardest step is the step away from the edge. Because it was going to determine, please catch this, it was going to determine the direction of their steps. When he said, go show yourself to the priest, they had to determine which direction they were going to start walking. They were going to start walking toward restoration or away from restoration. Please, please catch that. You choose which way you walk from here. You, yeah. Yeah. You choose which direction you step from here. He said, go show yourself to the priest. And so here they went. They weren't weren't going to go, but Brother Friendly made them. Go show yourself to the priest. Here they went. Brother Faulkner, if I'd have been one of them two dudes, now this is easy to say because I wasn't there, but knowing me, If I'd have been one of those 10 dudes and on the walk, my leprosy is gone. I would have went bananas. I would have went crazy. I don't care how sophisticated you are. Praise the Lord. I don't care if your hair is so parted it's never been messed up. Your shoes are so polished, they've never, been, they've never been messed up. You've never, you don't sweat, sorry. It does not matter. If you were walking and all of a sudden, the thing that kept you from home, the thing that kept you from being you, 
Oh, and I know I'm talking to some people right now that whatever it is, it's just that thing that keeps you from being you. Ooh, I feel something right there. And on the way, just one prayer service later, go show yourself to the priest. Go show ourselves to the priest. Why it go show ourselves to the priest? I wanted him to like do the mud thing or do. Can you imagine? Because they weren't looking in a mirror. It was probably me looking at you. And you look at me and you're like, why do you want us to go show ourselves to the priest? And all of a sudden I see you in a way I haven't seen you in a long time. Because not only will it change your perception of yourself, it'll usually start because it'll change the way you perceive other people. Because when you get healed from the fringe, when you get healed on the fringe, you'll find out not only will it heal your perception of you, but it'll change the way you see others. Oh, buddy, that's it. True. That is true. It'll change. All of a sudden, Brother Nykirk, they're walking along. And they said, wait. I don't want you to be offended. But you, you know all that, like, ugh, that's usually, you know. Yeah, I know about my little pussy there. No, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's gone. It's gone. Well, come to think of it, you know that big nasty on your ear? I just watch them checking each other out like, you were so much uglier five minutes ago. You were oozing and ugly. And so how is it possible that only one man only one man turns around and runs his way back to Christ and begins to glorify God. What did he do? He recognized before I show myself to a priest, I want to get myself to the priest. Before I get myself to a man, I want to get myself to the Son of God. Before I get... And I'm telling you, I believe that what God is trying to do for our church is going to give us a new impression among men and among people. But more important than any of that is that we recognize who it is that has healed us and who it is that has saved us and who it is that has delivered us. And so I ask the question that Christ asked of that one, where are the nine? And I tell you, I recognize that there are some who are rambunctious at worship, but there are too many that are counting themselves a part of the nine. If it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for you, I think we need a, a little bit of a, a baptism and you showed it with revival, but I feel what God is challenging and working on me is this reminder right now through revival and, and what God is going to do through this temple. I don't come because it is my mandate. I come because it is the, it is the touch of God that has healed me. And this servant, he becomes a servant as he runs back. This leper who was a Samaritan. Samaritan. No John 4. Samaritan. No long debate or talk. Or... No, 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 no. Just a healing on the fringe.
Just a healing on the friend. I was on the edge of my life. I was in a place where everything was over. And he is the only one that the Bible says Jesus is able to look at him and say, Thy faith has made thee whole. I'm not only going to affect your body, I'm going to affect your soul. I'm not only going to affect your used to be, I'm going to affect your what's going to be. I've not only, mm -hmm. I, I know I dried it up for them, but I'm going to make you whole. I'm going to make you whole. I'm going to bring stuff back into your life that's missing. They won't have leprosy moving forward, but you, I'm going to put things back together in your life that never should have been there anymore. I'm going to take your life and I'm going to make it whole. They're going to be healed, but you're going to be whole. And I'm going to tell you there's a difference between healed and whole. And we praise God for what he heals, but I'm ready to God, see God do some whole work. Whole work. W-H-O-L-E. And you might think I'm only preaching to excite you right now. And so I'm going to go ahead and tell you that's just fine. But I want to see God do the whole thing. The whole thing. I don't want him to only heal you. I want him to make you whole. I want you to be able to have the testimony when I fell at the feet of Christ. He put things back in me and... He put dreams back in me. He put vision back in me. He put more than just, it'd be one thing if he just eradicated what had been causing sickness. But imagine the person who hadn't been able to dream in a long time. You've lived on the fringe so long, you haven't been able to dream in a long time. Tonight could be the night. When you said, he not only healed me, he not only healed me, he made me whole. There are people in this room right now, you know what I'm preaching about. That's your testimony. He has made you whole in such a way. He has touched you in such a way that you refuse to be one of the nine. You refuse to be one of the nine. Just whistling, happy that you're healed. I'm glad I'm healed, but I'm not going to go for the priest until I get back to him and say, my God, my God, my God. Yeah, I'm glad to be healed, but I want everything you got. I want to praise you with all. Because without that healing, he couldn't praise him like he wanted to. And some people in this room, you need God to touch you in such a way that you can praise him like you'd like to. That you can worship him like, I want you, in fact, there's people in this room right now, you need God to touch your body or your mind in such a way that you can worship him like you want to. I want everybody, listen, I, I understand what this is. Sit down, everybody sit down for a second. Thank you for preaching with me. If you're here tonight, you need God to touch your body or touch your mind in such a way that you can really give him what you want to give him. You know I'm talking to you. I want you to stand right now. You need him to do a work in you, in your mind, in your body. I feel it in the room. You hear me right now. I want you to hear your, you hear me loud and clear. You are not, you are not called to be a fringe person. You are not lit. <laughs> Yenderebuye, yata derebuye, 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 y
You are not called to live on the fringe. You are not meant to stay there. You are not meant to be overwhelmed with sickness or with mental issue or with some kind of a financial difficulty. You are not meant to live there where you got to walk around saying, I want to, but I can't close the distance. God's about to heal some of that right now. Some of you have been praying for a long time. I feel a word of faith in this room right now. He's going to touch you. You're going to feel it from the top of your head, and it's going to shoot down through you. If you want it right now, I want you to lift your hands as loud as you can. I want you to begin to call him Jesus. Come on, I want you to begin to call him Master. Jesus! Master! Come on, he's calling you off of the fringe. He's calling you beyond the edge. He's calling you to receive it. You don't want to live there and he doesn't want you to. You don't want to stay there and he doesn't want you to. I know you're not normally demonstrative, but I'm telling you that Jesus is here and Jesus is hearing you and Jesus is healing your body. I want somebody that's claiming healing that was standing. I want you, even if it's out of your character, I want you to run down to the front of this building right now. I want you to run down to this altar and I want you to kneel before the Lord in his presence and I want you to begin to worship Jesus. Don't worry about what anybody thinks. Who cares what the nine think? Who cares what the nine think? They were healed, but you want to be made whole.